Amen. And you'll not climb any hills in Saxton. Amen. It's as flat as a flitter over there. Praise God. But he is a great man of God. He's ministered in this church. Amen. And we want him to come and preach this gospel. How many are going to help Brother Whitman preach today? Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord as he comes. Preaches to Amen, amen, amen. So good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. You know what makes it the Lord's house? Is that he feels comfortable here. You ever had somebody tell you, I'll just make yourself at home? They don't mean that. They don't mean that, folks, because you make yourself at home, you take off your shoes and socks and stretch out, and they'll look at you kind of strange. But when we come in this place, I want to say to the Lord, make yourself at home, because this is your house. Amen? Amen. It is truly good to be here. Amen. Brother, and I don't see Sister Cook now, but Brother Cook, thank you so much. Amen. I do appreciate the privilege to be here. I never take it lightly. Amen. Man only has so many opportunities to minister to the people God puts in his care when he will allow somebody one of those opportunities. It is truly a great privilege thankful for that. Amen. Good to see my friend, brother and sister Lawson. Amen. And uh, the rest of you, amen. I thought I was in trouble a while ago. I was already struggling, and I'll explain why in just a minute, but uh, I'm preaching from a book that I don't know other than this sermon I don't know that I've ever preached out of this book I've never preached out of Song of Solomon before amen and that's just uh, one of them things amen it's a different book to preach out of and so I was kind of struggling with that whole thought and I got here and I went to looking and I had just put some scriptures down and scribbled a few notes on a piece of paper and I could not find that piece of paper anywhere. I told the brother when he asked me, I said, I guess I'm just going to depend on the Lord today. That was actually supposed to be a joke. Amen. I'm hoping I'm depending on the Lord every time I come to the pulpit. Amen. But uh, I want to take your attention. Thank you so much. You guys are absolutely awesome. Amen. I appreciate not just the quality, but the sensitivity to the spirit. Amen. Song of Solomon chapter 5. And I can get just a little bit of treble in there. starts off low 
and rises. <laughs> Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Verse 2 says, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. My head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. I have, And then we go in verse 3. She responds, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I've washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. My bowels were moved for him. I rose to open to my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake, I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love, or as we would say, I am lovesick. She cries out, my soul failed when he called. I want to preach to you for the next few moments from this thought. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Brother Cook, if you would be so kind. Amen. You may be seated. Not with the intent of insulting anybody's intelligence, but Song of Solomon is a rather unique book. It is a, we call it the love story of a bride and her groom. And, uh, we understand it is also not only the love story from the Old Testament, but it has full application of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, us, the church. 
And uh, while the truth is that I don't know that I've ever preached from this, I do want to be very quick to note that the Bible does say that all Scripture is given by inspiration. Some seems more inspired than others. But it is all given by inspiration from God. And so now we find the text that we are reading. The husband has been out, perhaps, deer hunting. Whatever the case is, he has been out. And it is into the later hours of the evening. And now he comes home. And he arrives. uh, In in our western culture we think differently of it than perhaps the eastern culture of this would be. But he arrives home and is wanting to spend some fellowship time with his bride and so he comes to the room where she is and he calls out to her and when he calls out to her notice first of all her condition she says I sleep but my heart waits I would tell you that when God begins to reach out for us we find ourselves in a condition of sleep. We find ourselves not very sensitive and aware to the things that are around us. But when God begins with that still small voice to call your name, when God begins to reach out for you, when God begins to try to establish fellowship and relationship with you, the first place that he reaches is for your heart. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that even in my drowsy and sleepy condition, there was something in my heart that understood that God was reaching out to me. Something moved. There was a tugging and a pulling in my spirit and my heart that began to draw. And he says, it is the voice of my beloved saying, open to me. But what becomes concerning is that now, because of the lateness of the hour, and because she is already in bed, She replies to her husband, to the bridegroom. She says to him, I have already gotten myself ready for bed. I've already put off my clothes and I've got on my nightgown. I've already cleaned myself up. I've washed my feet and I'm in bed now. In other words, this is not a convenient time. For me, there's something about it that even though there's a tugging at her heart and her spirit is willing, the flesh is still 
resistant. It doesn't want to have to be inconvenienced. It doesn't want to be made uncomfortable. It wants to just stay in its relaxed state that it's already in. And so she responds, I have put off my coat. How am I going to put it back on again? She says, I've already washed my feet. I've already cleaned up. I, I'm not going to get out of bed and track back across the dirty floors and have to go through cleaning up again and getting back in bed and going through all that. I've already done all this. And so now she lays there in the bed with him at the door calling out. But the Bible said that after a few moments, something on the inside of her woke up. How many glad something on the inside of you woke up? Said something on the inside began to stir more than just my heart. And she says, my bowels were moved for him. How many of you know that when God begins to deal with you, somebody can be sitting there. They got the, the stone face. They got, they, they got it. They know how to put the wall up. They got it all going on. But on the inside, God is turning some things God is twist. I got news for you, church. I'm glad God knows how to get past my exterior. God knows how to get past the front that I'm so good at putting up because there are times I don't want anybody else to know what's going on. And I can keep a front up, but even while I'm standing there, sometimes we look at people and in a church service and the conviction of the Holy Ghost is moving and we wonder how can they just stand there? They may have learned how to stand there, but friend, I got news for you. You need to just get excited because while they're under the conviction of the Spirit, even though they're not showing on their face, something's moving on the inside. And suddenly, she realizes what she's done. She realizes that she has an opportunity for a moment of fellowship, a moment of connection, a, a moment of being with her husband. And now all of a sudden, she begins to respond. And, and she, the Bible said that she gets up and she makes her way across to the door. But when she opens the door, he is already withdrawn. He's no longer there. I want you to understand that there is a danger that when we refuse to be inconvenienced and we refuse to be made uncomfortable, that there is a moment in which God may withdraw himself temporarily. There's a moment in which God may pull back that's why it is so desperately important that we not miss the moment when he calls, the moment when he reaches out. And I would tell you that some of you have already just chalked this up as a don't miss the altar and get saved sermon. But 
I would tell you that I'm preaching to a lot more than just uh, salvation. But there are moments of deliverance in which we will stand there on the verge of receiving what we need from God, but not willing to be inconvenienced, not willing to be made uncomfortable, not willing to be pulled out of our zone of safety. And therefore, then we miss the moment in which God would have done something. We wait for somebody else to go to the front. We wait for somebody, uh, we wait for the preacher to call. We wait for certain things and certain protocols to happen. And if they just sing that song one more time, if they would just, if, if the preacher would just ask one more time. But the danger is that while we are trying to remain in, uh, not inconvenienced, while we are trying to remain comfortable, there is a danger that he might withdraw from that moment. Now I want you to understand something. This preacher is not saying that you only have one chance. I grew up in the old school, man. I grew up in the screeching tires and breaking glass and blood on the highway if you don't get to the altar tonight. But I do believe in mercy. And I'm thankful that God does not just simply shut us off. And that's the end of it. I realize that in the Old Testament, He said, My spirit will not strive with us always. But I would tell you that when we get to the New Testament, that there is a whosoever and a whatsoever that becomes a part of our life. And therefore, God will continue to reach out to try his best to bring us to those moments. But I would also tell you that the danger in the long run and don't misunderstand me. I do believe the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die after that. I do believe that, it, that there is a moment at which if, if we don't get ourselves together, we will miss the things of God. And there are no coming back from those moments. But I think we also need to understand that when we sit in an apostolic service with the anointing power of the Holy Ghost, moving through the music and the singers, moving through the preacher, moving through the congregation. The danger is not that God won't ever call us again, but I would tell you that you cannot be in an apostolic service and not be changed. Now you're quick to amen me, and I appreciate that, but... I might mess you up just a little bit. Because when I say you can't be, remain the same, that you can't, that, you, that you're going to be changed in an apostolic service, I want you to understand that that is either for the better or for the worse. 
when you sit in a service like we have today where we feel the moving of God's spirit and, and, and the anointing of his power in the house, when you leave here, you will either be closer or you will be colder, but you will not be the same as what you came in. And when we find ourselves refusing to be inconvenienced, refusing to be made uncomfortable, thinking that there's a better time, thinking that there's a moment more convenient, thinking that there's a time and a place that will be... Here is the truth of the matter. Every one of us in this house have things in our lives that we plan to make different for God. Things that we plan to change. Things that we plan to do. Things that we plan to get right. Things that we have. And we all have a time when we're planning to get that done. I'm going to get right when. I'm going to submit my heart to God when. I'm going to do this when. And we all go through this. And the truth of the matter is every one of us have some things in our walk with God. Moments of commitment. Moments of consecration. Things that we have committed that we are planning and going to do and have an idea of when we will get that done. But we have become comfortable being convicted. We have grown comfortable with conviction to the point that we come to church and as long as we feel conviction, we can go out of here thinking everything's all right. As long as we feel the tug at our heart and the pull at our spirit, we can leave here uncommitted, unchanged, but go out of here thinking that everything's all right because I still feel his voice calling. There's a danger that when we get ready, she finally gets up. She finally inconveniences herself, as it were. She finally realizes that being with her husband was more important than being inconvenienced. And now she goes to the door. And when she gets to the door and opens it, he's no longer there. She looks for him. And suddenly she realizes and she cries out, my soul failed when he called. I heard him. I felt the tug. I felt the pull. I felt the move of his spirit. But my soul failed. I could feel him calling me. I could feel him wanting time with me. But I failed to respond. So the Bible says that now she stands there in the empty doorway. And as she turns to go back in, she notices. If we'd said in our language, his perfume was heavy in the doorway. And her hand now holds the smell. But all she has 
is the leftovers. All she has is the residue of where he was. How many times do we go home from church and all that we take home from, from the service is the residue of where he was? We don't go home with him. We don't go home changed. Nothing. nothing. He, we, we finally get around and we go home and, and we say, whoa, man, I had good church. Man, that preacher preached, sweat and spit, everything. Boy, I'm telling you, that choir was on. The, the praise singers, boy, they hit it right. Oh, man, I felt God all over the house. And we go home satisfied with nothing more than the residue of where he was. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go home satisfied that I felt him at church. I don't want to go home satisfied that we had good church and that the music popped and the preacher screamed. And we had a, I want to go home knowing that I've been with the Lord. I've been in his presence. I've had fellowship with him. I've had time with him. I want to go home with more than just the residue of where he was. So now she grabs her clothes and she heads out into the street to find him. Now she decides, I know he came looking for me, but I'm going to go looking for him. And, and now she heads out. But she's not out that long before the watchmen of the city find her. And they know she don't belong here. The Bible says that they begin to treat her like one of the women that would run the streets at night. This is the bridegroom's woman. This is the king's wife. But because she's now out of her element and out of where she's supposed to be. When she could have had the bridegroom with her. Now she's running the streets looking for the bridegroom. And because of that the Bible says uh, that they took away my veil. They, 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 they stripped my dignity. They shamed me in public. They, they made fun of me. They, in other words, uh, because she didn't have the moment where she was supposed to have it. She now finds herself running. Looking for the answer somewhere else. I told you that I'm not here to preach because if you jump ahead just a couple of chapters, you'll, you'll find that she finally connects with him. And you find that they finally have that relationship together. But my preaching this morning is more about this. Why go through all of the shame and the frustration, the indignity, the, the, the anxieties, all the things that you go through because you don't get the moment when it comes, thinking you'll just get the next moment. You see, between the moment when he shows up and the next time the moment comes, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of stuff that just goes on that we could avoid. How much stuff do we go through that we don't have to go through because we refuse to be inconvenienced. We refuse to be made uncomfortable. We refuse to 
reminds me a little bit of Jacob. The Bible says Jacob got himself in trouble. And so his first night out from home, he finds himself separated. Sin will do that to you. Doing things your own way will cause that to happen. And so now he's out. And the Bible says that he makes a stone for a pillow. And during the night while he's laying there, the Bible says that he sees a ladder. And on that ladder that extends up into the heavens, he sees angels ascending and descending the ladder. The next morning when he gets up, Jacob says, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place. And that would be an awesome statement if it stopped there. But he follows that recognition up with the next statement, and I knew it not. Now, I would submit, and I'm not the Bible scholar your pastor is by any stretch of the imagination, but I would submit for your consideration that when Jacob said, I knew it not, he was not stating that he was unaware of the presence of God. He was not, he saw the ladder, he, he saw the angels, he, he saw it extend into heaven. He watched all of that. And when he got up the next morning, he said, the presence of the Lord was here. But he's not saying, I was unaware of it. If you will go through your Old Testament and look at the word new, it is often used in conjunction to a relationship that produces a result. For example, the Bible says Adam knew Eve and bare him a son. So Jacob, when he wakes up the next morning, cries out, Surely the presence of the Lord was in this place. It's not that I wasn't aware of it. I didn't interact with it. I didn't connect to it. I didn't get in a relationship with it that caused a change, that did something. Oh, I was at church. I felt the presence of the Lord. We know when God's in the house. Nobody goes home and says, man, I didn't even know God was there. That never happens. But the problem is we spend time watching the show. I love our music, and I'm not, please, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from it. I love our preaching. But if we become satisfied with spiritual entertainment, we run the danger of going home and saying, the presence of the Lord was in this place and I didn't interact with it. I didn't connect to it. I didn't have a relationship with it that produced a result. 
I don't ever want to leave this house without a relationship that produces a change, produces a result, something's different. I don't care how old we are. See, sometimes when we've lived for God for a long time, we think we can slide through services and, well, just wait till we got a problem. Just wait till it's a difficult time. But I want to tell you something. Every time his presence shows up, I want to connect with it. I want to interact with it. And not just in a way that entertains my flesh. I want to change on the inside of me. Some 20 years later, Jacob is now headed back home. And again, the night before he arrives home, he finds himself separated out and alone. He finds himself a pillow, a a rock for a pillow. And during the night, the Bible says that an angel, a man, showed up. Jacob locked hold of that man, that angel. And the Bible said that they begin to wrestle. And this wasn't no little tug-of-war friendly chummy act. This was a desperation move. He locked on and the angel began to cry, you got to let me go. He said, I can't let you go. He said, you got you, you, you got, I got to get back to where I came from. He said, I'm not, I'm not letting you go until you change what's messed up in me, till you fix what's wrong with me. There was something on the inside of him that said, you know what? I can't let you go. I would submit for your consideration. That 20 years earlier, when he woke up on Monday morning contemplating how good church was Sunday night and how he had set through the opportunity for his life to be made different, he made up in his mind. If I ever get another chance, if I ever have another opportunity, now I'm not telling you to be 20 years before God ever visits you again. That's not my statement. But between the time that he sat there content to watch the church show and the time that he locked on to that angel. He went through 20 years of being lied to, cheated on, frustrated, abandoned, kicked out, betrayed, all because he missed that moment. And for 20 years, through all the betrayal and all the frustration and all the stuff, yeah, there will be another chance. But why go through all of that mess? I know there will probably be, Lord willing, another altar service. I know there will be another evangelist. I know there will be another church service that, that, that God's spirit moves in. But why go through what you got to go through between now and then? And so when that angel showed up 
20 years later, Jacob locked a hold of that thing and said, baby, I missed it 20 years ago. And I've been through every kind of mess. I've dealt with all kinds of pain. I've had all kinds of frustration, anxiety, betrayal. I'm telling you right now, I missed it last time, but I'm not missing it this time. Oh, but he had to limp. He was willing to limp. Can I tell you that if he would have connected the first time, he could have avoided the limp? Will it take a limp before we're willing to just submit? Before we're willing to answer the call. Before we're willing to. Yes I know there will be another call. I know there will be another church. I know it's Sunday morning. And we're really used to waiting until Sunday night. I understand all of that. But the things that God. Is dealing with you. Not just salvation. There's people in here. You plan to get saved. But you. I got news for you. Why keep going through all that mess. Go ahead and give your heart to God. Get yourself to an altar. Repent. Get baptized in his name. Be filled with his spirit. Why? Because you'll avoid the limp. You'll avoid some of the pain and the frustration and the mess that you got to go through. Between now and the next time. But some of you got a call to do ministry in the church. See, when I was preaching to the sinners, everybody was with me because they knew that wasn't them. But now that I'm preaching to the saints, there's some areas of consecration that God's been dealing with you about. Young people, there's some areas of commitment that God's been talking to you about. And you know you need to get that right. And you know you need to get that. And God deals with you about it. And there's that moment. And even right now in this service, it it tugs at you and it pulls at you. But there's something else that says, you know what? It's not convenient. My my friends might see me. Uh, Somebody else might notice. Uh, I'll wait till tonight. Uh, I'll come back when i got more time. Uh, And you go through the list of reasons why. healing might just be one response away but the preachers called for you before and you came down one time before and you didn't get everything you thought you were supposed to get when you got here the last time so you don't want to really go through that again The list goes on and on and on. But Jacob said, look. I missed it 20 years ago. I missed it the first time. But I'm not going to miss it again. I refuse to let go until you change what's wrong with me. 
This morning, I would tell you that those of us waiting for a convenient season, now is the day. Today is the time. We've got all of our excuses. We've got all of our reasons. We've got all the things. And the truth of the matter is, we feel enough pull at our heart right now that we feel like, you know what, God's still dealing with me about it, so I've still got time. And his voice calls. But again, our soul fails. But this morning as the musicians are coming, this preacher is just asking you, why go through everything? Why go through the frustration? Why go through the pain? Why go through the stuff that we got to go through? Simply because we weren't willing to respond to the call. You see, I'm not asking you to respond to the preacher today. I'm not asking you to respond because I, I preached it right or because I got to. I'm, not, I'm asking you to hear the voice of God speaking to your heart. Whatever it is, whatever area of ministry, that, whatever call that's on your heart, whatever sacrifice he's asked out of you, whatever it is that he's been dealing with you about, and you've been saying, I will, but not now. Hear this preacher. Don't miss your moment. Don't go through the indignities and the shame and the pain, the frustration of just waiting till the next time. Don't leave here colder. Don't leave here more callous. Don't leave here able to push it away because each time you push it away, it's easier the next time. Until you get to a point where it's not that his voice isn't calling. It's that your heart has become so hardened. That even while he's calling, you can't hear him. Would you stand with me across this room? about it today I wonder if there's anybody in this house that would get past the fact that it's Sunday morning and we're not really used to responding like this on a Sunday I don't know how your church is but I just know in most apostolic churches we kind of have a thing of well I'll come back tonight and respond I'll, I'll come back tonight I got to do today. I got to get to Walmart. 
But what if somebody in this house would get past whoever you're standing next to? Get past the questions of, you're like, well, how, how, what about this? And what if, that, what, if, what if we would just get past all that and say, God, I hear you calling me. I don't know how it all works out. I don't know what all it takes. I don't, I don't have a good understanding of anything, but I know you're dealing with me. You'd make your way to the front of this church. Somebody says, well, I, don't, I, I, I can just pray right back here. I know you can. It's comfortable there, and it's convenient there. But this preacher is asking somebody to shed comfort, to shed convenience. Walk to the front where it's not comfortable. Find yourself a place to talk to God and surrender. God, I'll say yes to your will. I'll say yes to your way. What, whatever it is that God's dealing with you about, whatever God's asking you to give up, whatever God's asking you to pick up, whatever it is that God is pulling at your heart about even in this service across this room for different people it's different things but if you'll respond this morning not out of pity and not out of shame not out of guilt but out of love God I just want to connect with you in a way that produces a change in a way that produces something God I want to connect with you, God, in a way that when I leave here, I know that I have had a change in my life. That's it, sir. That's it, ma'am. Hallelujah. I thank you for your honesty before God. I thank you for your sincerity before Him. God, I thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on, sir, what is it? What, what is that moment of commitment that he's dealing with you about? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we worship you, Lord. We worship.